Well, welcome everybody. It is so good to be in your home this day. And I'm especially excited because I've got some of my people with me in the house. You can make some noise. I'm glad you're here. It's, it's honestly just a little bit surreal right now to be in our venue with people in the room. They are socially distanced. We are under the restriction guidelines. We're, we're keeping it healthy. But um, it's just, it's a little bit surreal this moment right now. And uh, maybe you're watching and you're thinking, I want to be there. Well, I want to tell you, you can. Um, if you're part of a team, I want to encourage you to reach out to your leader and you can register to be a part of our next uh, time where we do this. And we'd love to have you. I'd love to see your face. And, and maybe you're just thinking, man, I want to see some church people again. I've, I've missed seeing my family. We actually, earlier this week, uh, we had a little outdoor gathering uh, with our team, and it was just so, it was so good for me to see so many of your faces and, and some of you who are, are watching right now. Honestly, it made me want to do church even more. Like, I, I, I thought I was already at the max of not being able to wait any longer, and uh, it amped it up 10 times. And so I'm just looking forward to the day. And, and, uh, but in the meantime, if you want to watch it with your crew, you can. We want to encourage you to sign up to host a watch party. And, and really all that is is just saying, I'm going to make sure I invite people to my house, my friends, my crew, my family. We're going to watch church together, and we're going to let Velocity Church know about it. And we'll send you this awesome party pack with all these things, hand sanitizer, and just everything to make it a cool experience. And uh, we want to let we, we want to know that you're doing that. Also, it would be meaningful to me if you'd let the world know, if you've posted on social media, tag us on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you do, not TikTok, that's of the devil, but anything else, um, I'm just kidding, it's not of the devil, it's probably all right, but uh, there's lots of things that, that we're unsure of, whether it's God or the devil, so just jury's out on that, pray about it, ask for an interpretation, but uh, tag us on, on social media, and if you, if you tag me, I'll repost it, I promise, but I want to see you, and I do want to let you know that there, there's a couple gatherings that are coming up where I would love to see you. And the first thing is June 25th, we have our Visioneering Night, and that's open to everybody. I would, I would love for you to be a part of it. Visioneering is our team that gives sacrificially. They lead the way in accelerating the mission and building the vision of the church through sacrificial giving. And uh, maybe you've never been a part of this team. It it's, doesn't matter whether uh, you feel loaded or whether you don't feel like your income is everything you want it to be. It's about having a heart of generosity. That's what this is about. And if you feel like that describes you, I have a heart of generosity. I want to help build the church. I want you to be a part. But I would ask you to register because there are limited seats available. We're going to have to cap it. Um, we'll be doing it. We anticipate restrictions being lifted, but we still have limited spots. So uh, the hosts are going to put that in the chat right now so you can register for that. I would love to see you there. And we've got some awesome things that we want to share with you about our future home. Awesome things we want to share with you about our outreach and just the vision of what we see God doing. And not just that, but we want to make an investment in you too. And it's going to be so great. I hope you'll be there. And and uh, then if you missed our, our team gathering, we have July 1st, we're doing it here in this room, a heart and soul, and it's going to be powerful. I'd love for you to be a part of it. If you're not part of a team yet, well, you can do virtual growth track and you can be part of a team. We got that and host will tell you about that too. But so many great things going on 
And uh, I've just been so encouraged how our church, even while our buildings are not open, our church has been more open than ever. Uh, even though it might be closed, we have been going to the streets and sharing the gospel with people, sharing the love of Jesus with people. And I, I just think I've never seen the church more active than we have been right now. And it's been so encouraging to me as your pastor just to see the commitment of, of all of you. Stay, staying committed uh, with your faithful giving, staying committed with serving. And there's so many things still coming up before we resume gatherings. Right now we're planning July 12th. And uh, the, the neat thing about that is right before that, July 11th is our serve day where we want everybody to serve and be a part of reaching our community. The thing is about our church, we exist for the people that aren't here yet. And so I love that before we're even gonna gather in our buildings, the first thing we're gonna do is gather to reach our city and reach our community. So just a lot of, lot of great things. And um, that was a long intro, but now I'm gonna get into the word of God because we have a series to wrap up. Uh, if you've been part of this series for the last few weeks, we've been looking to God's word to discover some of the foundational beliefs about Christianity. What does it really mean when we say that we're a Christian? And we've done it through this lens of the Apostles' Creed, this confession of faith. It's a well-known uh, creed, a well-known confession. And as we come to the final installment of this message today, I want to encourage you, if you brought your Bibles with you, or if you're watching at home, wherever you're watching at, uh, you can look up these scriptures with me. I'm going to give you two verses the first one is Daniel chapter 12, so you have to find it and then mark your place there and then uh, turn to the next one, which is John chapter 5. Unless you have a digital Bible, and then you can just tap it in really quick, and that's what I do. It's a very efficient, fast way uh, to find scriptures, or you can even Google it. Just, you know, type in Daniel 12, and I'm sure through the wonder of Google, it'll pull it up. But in Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, uh, verse 2 is where we're going to start. And this is what Daniel said. Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament. And he would see things in the future. He would speak about those future events. And what we're going to read is future for him. But it's also future for us because he's speaking about end time events. And in Daniel 12, verse 2, he says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And then if you flip over to John chapter 5, Jesus said in verse 24, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Now, I gave you two scriptures today, so I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, a double dose. You're going to get a double dose of good medicine as we close out this series. And I, I can't call it a double dose without giving you a second title. And uh, you know it's a good message when it's got two titles. And some are like, two titles, how can you do it? It's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure sermon. You just you get to choose the one that you want, you write down the one you like. So a double dose, or you can put it, uh, stay woke. Uh, shout out to uh, Childish Gambino 
for that one. Thank you. But the reason I'm, I'm calling it that, we look at these scriptures. Daniel says, you're going to awake to everlasting life. And Jesus said, if you believe in me, if you believe in God and his son whom he sent, you've already passed from death to life. And the, the reason we're looking at this is because the last part of the creed, the Apostles' Creed, that we've gone through every week now in this series, says this, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, normally in church, when we think about the resurrection, we think about Easter. I mean, how many of you, you hear resurrection, you immediately think of Easter Sunday. In fact, I mean, sometimes, sometimes we call it Resurrection Sunday. That's what Jesus did. Jesus rose from the dead. We think about how he destroyed death, how he destroyed sin, how he got up from the grave. He was raised to life. But what I want to show you in this message today is that Jesus didn't just destroy death for himself. He destroyed death for you and me. He got up from the grave, not just for himself. No, scripture talks about how you and I are going to rise from the dead. It's actually kind of a strange strategy. You think about it. Jesus came to conquer death. And he says, I'm going to conquer death by letting you kill me. Sounds like a bad plan, Jesus. Yeah, I know, but it's what I'm going to do. I'm going to die and I'm going to defeat death. Because, you see, Jesus not only had the power to lay down his life, he had the power to take up his own life. So just understand that resurrection power, when we think of Jesus' resurrection, it wasn't just for him. It was for you and me. It's a double dose of resurrection power. And this is the living hope of the Christian church. You might want to write this down. Is that Jesus went into the grave so that you could come out of it. He went into the grave so that you could have confidence that you'll come out of it. Now, to, to understand the Christian faith, it might be helpful uh, to look at this through a certain lens. To think about death like a seed. Or maybe more specifically, to think about death like an acorn and an oak tree. I don't know if you've ever thought about planting a seed in the ground, but that's often how scripture refers to death being planted. And you think about when an acorn goes into the ground, that's the end of the acorn. But it's not really just the end of the acorn. It's the beginning of an oak tree. It's the end of the acorn, but it's the beginning of something greater. It's the beginning of something stronger. See, for a Christian, death is not the end of the road. It's just a bend in the road. You are not your body. Now, I'm not dismissing the body, the importance of the body. God made you with one. Obviously, he cares about your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Scripture talks about. And later... You'll have a glorified body. But this body, this skin, is temporal. It's temporary. It's not going to last forever. I like what Marissa Cole, one of our guests, part of our team, last week, she was part of our panel. She said, this body is borrowed. M meaning, 
that there is going to come a time when we lay it down. That there is going to come a time when it doesn't last any longer. But there is a part of you that's eternal. So when your physical body dies, you're still going to be you. When you go into the dirt, you're still going to be you. In the Bible, you read about how Abraham was still Abraham. Isaac was still Isaac. Jacob was still Jacob. And God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meaning I am the God of the living, not the dead. He's the God of the living. And I point that out because sometimes we get confused about it in our language. Like sometimes we'll, we'll speak about graveyards as our final resting place. Where's the place you're going to choose to be buried? Where's your final resting place? But for the Christian, it's not our final resting place. No, for, for the Christian, we go to be with Jesus. Our body sleeps, but our soul, the eternal part of us, our spirit, goes to be with Jesus. The interesting thing is that God doesn't just promise salvation for your soul. He also promises salvation for your body. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42. It says, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. See, this is what God wants you to understand, that there is a day coming when Jesus will return, where every grave will explode. And those of us who are still alive will be caught up in the air with Jesus, but the bodies will reclothe the souls. And so for those of you who have loved ones who've gone to be with Jesus, don't weep for them. Weep for you. Because you're not with them. They'll be clothed with their bodies. And you and I, if we're alive when Jesus comes, we'll, we'll be caught up in the air. So to think about this day should, should fill us with an expectation. It should fill us with hope. It should fill us with joy. I know it looks like a funeral. I know it looks like decay. I know it looks like the end. But you got to understand that to God, God looks at graveyards the same way we look at gardens. Somebody should write a song about that. I think it'd be a hit. God looks at the grave like, like we look at a garden. It should fill us with comfort to know that, that one day we'll be resurrected, not resuscitated. There's a difference. We're changed. We're transformed. You see a picture of this actually with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but... If you ever read any of the gospel accounts about Jesus' resurrection, it is fascinating to me. Every single one, nobody recognizes him. Have you ever noticed that before? At least not at first. They do later. But when he's raised from the grave and they, they see him, they talk to him, they don't recognize him at first. Why is that? He's got a glorified body. He's been transformed. Now he has a body. We know he has a body because he eats he said, I'm not a ghost. I'm, I'm eating here. He says, hey, take your finger. Look at these wounds. 
Look at this whole touch. He has a body, but it's a glorified body. Meaning that it wasn't bound by the laws of nature. That's why he could appear and vanish. And it's cool because this is really a hint of heaven. What do I mean by that? I mean that we can't think of heaven as being less vivid than earth. Well, like, you know, sometimes we got this idea, you know, maybe thanks to Hallmark, shout out to Hallmark, that, you know, like heaven is going to be this giant cloud with naked baby angels. But can I tell you, I've read the whole Bible, and there are not any naked baby angels. The, the Bible doesn't describe heaven as this big fluffy cloud. No, the Bible describes heaven as an incredible place. It's going to be way more vivid than our experience on earth. In fact, what, what the Bible talks about is how at the end, the city of God comes down and infuses heaven into a brand new earth. So when you, when you think about that, just like your body is going to be transformed, the world is going to be transformed. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth and we'll live and we'll serve and we'll celebrate and we will party and it'll be so much better than any of us can imagine. So when you think of dying, you got to realize that it's an acorn today, but it's an oak tree tomorrow. And there's a tension to all these things we talk about because there, there's this sense in which it's not instantaneous. There's this interval, there's this space between the promise and the payoff. Sometimes theologians describe it as the already but not yet. What I mean by that, the, the kingdom of God has come, it's already here, but it's not yet fully realized. It's a lot like the Old Testament. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, you have God promising his son, a savior that would make wrong things right. All the way back at the beginning of creation. But all through the Old Testament, through the prophets, through the kings, through the priests, through, through Exodus, through all of that, through all of the promises, you see people wondering, when is it going to happen? When are all these things going to be? And, and here's what you need to understand about the resurrection as it pertains to us today. When we're talking about the resurrection, it, it's already ours because we're not just talking about a resurrection, we're talking about everlasting life. You, you see, everlasting life is a double dose. Because everlasting life is not just a quantity, it's a quality. It's not just a number, it's a nature. It's not something simply for then, it's something that's also for now. This is what Jesus said. He said, this is eternal life. Meaning right now, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. In John 17, verse 3. You see, the, the moment you give your life to Jesus, on the inside, in your spirit, you become a new creation. Brand new, fully alive. So everlasting life starts right here. It's knowing God. It's having God living on the inside of you. It's having a relationship with God and knowing that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you're awaiting fulfillment externally, the, all the things that he's done internally. It's already 
but not yet. He made the promise, but we haven't seen the payoff. He's made the promise, but we haven't seen all the fulfillment of it. Now, what's the importance of that? Well, when we look at our world today, we see a world that is groaning to be made new. A world that is groaning to no longer be afflicted by violence and sin and hatred. A world that's not plagued with natural disasters and pandemics and terror and injustice. A, a, a world that we, we see a world that is groaning to be covered with the glory of the Lord like water covers the earth. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, we pray. We build. We sing. We give. We worship. We share. And by faith, we, we see eventually what we will see with our eyes. By faith, we see right now what we will see eventually. And we invite anyone to come and participate in this kingdom. We pray for God to make it on earth as it is in heaven. And in this tension, we feed hungry people. We clothe the naked. We take care of widows and orphans. We advocate for more equitable and just systems. We fight to expand our church so that all those far from God will come to know life in Christ. Jesus died so you can live. There's meaning to be found. There is hope to be found. There is life everlasting to be found in the name of Jesus in a world that is given over to anxiety, that is looking for an antidepressant to numb the pain that is in the world, that is overtaken with mental health issues and overrun with suicide. We say that Jesus can save you. Jesus can heal you, that there is good medicine in this great gospel. And, and we model what we see with our eyes of faith, what will eventually be in the world. When God makes wrong things right, but we have a mission here and now. You know, uh, Nate, one of our team, also last week, he was mentioning how he just got his citizenship. But the truth is, all of us are dual citizens. We are citizens of heaven. We live here, but our citizenship is in heaven. So in the already but not yet, we strive so that more people might know what it means to be healed, saved, and whole. The Bible says that all of us have eternity in our hearts. What's that mean? It means that no matter what we turn to, inside all of us, that there's this knowing that we're made for more. There's this knowing that there's got to be more than just this right now. And so it causes us all to ask the questions, the same questions of, What's the meaning of life? Can I be forgiven of my sins? And is there life after death? And in the name of Jesus, we're given the answer to every single one of those questions. 
But here's, here's how I want to end this conversation. I, w- I would like to ask you, is does your life here reflect the eternal life that's available to you? If you're a Christian, if you've passed from death to life, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, does your life reflect this eternal life? What do I mean? I mean, most of us are living with eternity in our heart, but we've got the temporal on our mind. We've got everlasting life in us, but our mind is on things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Our our focus and our attention is on things that in light of eternity will not amount to anything. And let me be real clear. You are going to die. I just brought the mood down, right? It's like (laughs) I was feeling good about having people and church and pastor tells me I'm going to die. You're not going to live forever on this earth. None of us are unless Jesus returns in our lifetime. And if your worth, if your value, if your identity are tied up in the things with this life, the here and now, can I just ask you, what's your plan? You know, it's interesting because this situation that we're in with all, just everything going on in the world right now has caused me to look back, reflect on history. And, and I'm more of a futuristic thinker than I am a history major, but I, I try and reflect to go back and learn what I can to make decisions for now. It's interesting when you look at, at history, you look at crucial times, pivotal times, times like the Great Depression in the 1920s. Even more recently, like 2008, the the global economic crisis that happened, there were a number of high-profile suicides. Why is that? Because in a moment, people lost millions and billions. And if your life is tied up in right here, right now, well, they had no reason to go on. And anytime you're identity is wrapped up in this life, in your athletic career, in the contributions that you hope to make to academics and science, in all the things you want to do business-wise, in your YouTube following, and all the accolades next to your name, whatever it is that you've put your stock in, what do you do when it all collapses, when it's over? Well, what do you do when you realize you've been building a sandcastle next to the sea? Even if you achieve success and you build a great career or you build a great company and and you do all these things that you want to do and have millions of dollars, that's awesome. But can I tell you, the goal of life is not to be the richest person in the cemetery. It's interesting, Scripture talks about a man who was the the richest man in the ancient East. His name was Job. Job was extremely wealthy, had all sorts of livestock, which would have been the the wealth of the day. He had cattle and goats and sheep and oxen and donkeys. And you can read the story of Job. It's in Scripture. But one day, 
He loses it all. Loses it all. Servant comes. One of his employees says, boss, these raiders came, took all of our sheep, killed all your other employees. I alone survived to come tell you this. While he's speaking, another one comes up, says, these raiders came, took, took all of our cattle, killed all the employees. I alone escaped. All these disasters for, to the goats, to the oxen, everything he, he owned was taken and gone in a moment. Not only that, Job had 10 children. Servant came, said, all the children were, were partying, celebrating in a house. This tornado came, crushed the house, killed all of his kids. Lost it all. If that's not enough, later, even his health is gone. Loses all of his possessions, loses his family, loses his health. The story finds him sitting on a garbage pile, penniless, scraping his sores with broken pieces of clay. His friends come, but they don't comfort him. They're part of the problem. Job had everything you could think of taken away from him. But when he opens his mouth to speak, he shows us how in the midst of devastating loss and suffering, he's maintained a heart of worship and blamelessness before God. Because his mind was on the eternal. Let me read it to you. It's in Job 19.25. He says, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. In other words, I know I'm going in the dirt, but I'm going to live again. Listen, friends, death is one of two things. It's either leaving home or going home. And the difference is where you've put your stock. What's interesting about the book of Job, though, is that at the end of the story, he gets it all back, but he gets it double. He gets a double dose. He gets double the oxen, double the cattle, the goats, the sheep. Donkeys gets double everything except his children. He lost 10 children. He gets 10 more children. Twice as much of everything, but only 10 kids. Why is that? Because he did get double his children. Because the 10 children that he lost were still his children. The, the 10 children that died those kids he would see again. And so I just want to ask you, where are you placing your faith? Are you placing your faith in something that's eternal or external? Are you placing your faith in eternity or now? Are you living with heaven in your heart? What I want to ask you is, would you like to give your life to Jesus Christ? Because by the end of your life, the truth is, even if you don't know Jesus, you are going to live forever. All of us will live in eternity. Death is not the end of the road. It's a bend in the road. And there's a fork at the point of death. For those people who've accepted Christ, there's life everlasting. But what Daniel said, he said, 
If you haven't, all will rise, some to life, some to everlasting contempt. And what Daniel alluded to, Jesus himself confirmed in that same chapter that I read to you at the beginning, Jesus said this, don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son and they will rise again. Those who've done good will rise to experience eternal life and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. What Jesus is saying is, yes, there is a heaven, but there is also a hell. He spoke about it often because he didn't want anybody to go there. So the question is, how do you go to heaven? Well, culture would tell you, just be a good person. Do more good than bad. If you're a good person, you'll get good rewards. But Jesus said, the only way you go to heaven is to accept him as Lord and Savior. The truth is, it's not the good thing you did. It is the good medicine of the gospel that saves you. That Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And he got up from the grave. And just like he defeated death and rose again, he made possible resurrection life, everlasting life for you and for me. And so if you're watching this, and you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, it would be my privilege to lead you in this prayer. Right where you're at, wherever you're watching, with everybody with you, whether you're in a coffee shop or at home, I would just ask that your head would be bowed, your eyes closed, and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my need for you, and I believe in what you did for me, how you died on the cross for my sin, and you got up from the grave. Come live in me so that I can live in you. I receive this life right now. In Jesus' name, amen.